Last week, Congress, at the urging of President Biden, voted to block the railroad workers of America from striking. Despite the fact that workers currently have no paid sick leave and in the face of massive profits by the rail carriers in the last years, Congress voted to impose a tentative contract deal that had been reached in September, but which four key unions had refused to join. A separate bill guaranteeing seven paid sick days per year failed. Last Thursday on our program, Mark Dunlay spoke to Nick Hurst of the Rail Workers of America about the specifics of their contract negotiations and labor actions, including a call for public ownership of the railways. You can find that discussion on the Sanctuary website. Today, I'm talking to Ed Murphy, the retired founder and director of the Workforce Development Institute. His group was affiliated with the New York State AFL-CIO, and he has spent his career working with government and organized labor. Thank you for talking with me today. What are your thoughts about the events that have developed in the last week or so? Well, I think the the first thing that comes to mind is the shock that they don't have the um, sick leave benefits that most workers have in America. And people who work in dangerous work, and especially with COVID, and they travel to not be able to be with their families or or get to uh, doctors, that's you know that's the first thing that shocks me, and and so to be thinking about these these workers not having the benefits that most everybody in, in America has on some level uh, is a shocking thing. The second thing is the idea that Congress would override the contracting procedures and the labor democracy of of the union members who decided to turn down a contract. I think that creates an ethical and political debt for all Americans to now come back and make sure these workers get the benefits and the working conditions that they need. And I think we have a responsibility to influence the railroad system to make sure that the workers uh, get their benefits. And it also points out two things for me. The, the importance of the workers to the economy of the United States, that that the, con- the president and Congress would override these provisions. Uh, so there's a debt that's owed to them. And then the second thing that's come out is the importance of the railroads to the supply chain. And I think the trucking industry has said they need hundreds of thousands of uh, more trucks on the road if they, if they don't have the rail system operating. So there's a, there's a larger context is where is the rail system in American economy compared to countries like um, Germany and Japan and places where the rail system was destroyed during World War II, ours wasn't, and we have not really built that infrastructure up to where it should be. We've heard the rail carriers say that the massive profits that they've seen have not been because of the contributions of labor, and therefore it is fair that they don't share them with the union. For perspective, the biggest rail carriers have paid over $196 billion in stock buybacks and dividends to investors since 2010. But we also hear that the disruption of a work stoppage would cause massive damage to our economy. It seems contradictory, right? Right. You know, the key thing here is that you can't operate a system like a rail without the workers and without the workers putting themselves at risk 
and putting their families at risk. And what they're asking now is that the workers continue to leave their families at risk because if they don't have health care benefits or they don't have the uh, the sick time uh, to take care of themselves, they can't take care of their families. So uh, I think there's an immoral issue here as well as uh, a political and management issue that has to be dealt with. And we need to get Congress to pass the bill that gives them the six days that they need. That bill failed in the Senate last week, and some people have said that perhaps the rail workers and organized labor more broadly has tied itself too closely to the Democratic Party rather than relying on collective action, etc., such that when the party doesn't support them, like in the case of this bill, they're limited in possible responses. What do you think? I think that the, uh, there's an interesting point here that Republicans who voted for, you know, the sick leave bill and came over to do this. There's, I mean, labor really has to be taking care of its own interests and not be owned by one party. And I think that's what's really, really important here is that, uh, and I think the, the American people need a refresher, which we're all getting out of this situation, about the, the value of people who work for a living and, and how what we want for ourselves, especially around the holidays, is, you know, is certain things to be able to buy things for our family and, and to do things. And you can't do that unless the workers are capable of going to work and do that. So I think the, the two things there is you can't be owned by one party and it's got to get off just this and look to the American people holding their legislators accountable to now go back and take care of, uh, of the workers. What are your predictions or hopes for what happens next? I hope that the... Uh, People who are reading the newspapers or watching this on TV or listening to uh, the show that is being done now will react and talk to their legislators and say, you got to go back and take care of these people. You can't just avert a crisis. And you got to be thinking long term about the rail system in the United States. Uh, you got to continue to support that. And the Amtrak people would have been affected because the trains are running on freight rails and you can't, you can't expect uh, Amtrak to keep operating if there's a strike and to do that. So we need to build the train system in America. Also for the issue of climate, we don't want to really put more trucks on the road uh, at this point. And the more we have a rail system, and then build that out into a light rail system uh, that we can we can have locally. We're going to be better off, and the sooner we can get some of these uh, uh, cars off the road and trucks off the road, uh, we're all going to be better off as far as climate goes. Is the health care of of the workers and the families, and the extent to which uh, we have things like bus garages. Uh, school bus garages, and they're, they're warming up their buses in the winter. You get a higher degree of asthma in uh, places like Harlem and, and places in the capital region where the school buses are. And I think the more we can get to clean energy and, and strengthen our rail system, the better we're all going to be. 
My last question is about the moment we are in. This is a big story right now, as well as a record action of graduate students in California and labor actions by Starbucks and Amazon workers have been in the news recently. Is this a real phenomenon? What do you think is happening? Well, I'm actually ha- I'm happy about this. this is, uh, we'll have, like you mentioned, Starbucks and all. And a lot of people are realizing that they have to have collective action to really protect themselves because with Trump and with other people who really want to uh, eliminate the power of the people, it's important that people come together and do this. And I think people are open. I think their hearts and their minds are more open these days than they've been in a long time because we realize we come that close to losing democracy in America and people are coming out in different forms last thing is the labor movement has to adjust. You know, part of what we were doing at WDI was helping uh, the labor movement adjust to uh, new trends, environmental trends, more work, women in the workplace. And that's always going to be a challenge uh, to any institution. And labor's gone through this through all its history to incorporate minorities into the unions and to get out front. Well, the beauty of labor is that it is willing to get involved in these things. And even if it goes slower than people want, it's willing to use its people and its political power to make some of these changes. And this is one of those special moments where leaders of organized labor need to step up and think even more in broader terms. Ed Murphy, thank you for joining me today. For Hudson Mohawk Magazine, this is Moses Nagel.